You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Which is exactly what the Holy Spirit intended for it because we have it today and it encourages us today. But another interesting thing about this particular letter is that Paul wrote this while he was in prison. And so what's significant about that is this, is that we see the amount of victory that the Holy Spirit is conveying through Paul in the midst of this hardship that he's facing. Now that's interesting to me because what it says to me is this, is Andy, listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't stop moving when you're going through difficult situations. The Holy Spirit doesn't park and is not subject to the experiences of your life. I want to say that in great grace to you guys, because I know that the stuff that we go through is real. I know that sometimes it's painful. I know that sometimes it's difficult and sometimes it's hard. But yet the Holy Spirit does not stop moving. And if you don't catch anything, I want you to catch this. Because no matter where you are today, and if you are in a difficult situation, you're in the right spot. Why? Because Jesus is here and he wants to help you. He wants to set you free. He wants to give you peace. He wants to hold your hand even in the midst of the storm. But the Holy Spirit is going to continue to move through you. So when we look at this this first prayer that Paul prays in the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians 1, 18 through 23, we're going to read it again. It will be on the screen. You can uh, look it up on your phone if you want. Open your Bible. Hey, I just want to say something before we start um, really diving into this in just a few minutes that we have together. I want to say, um, got to be a part of uh, uh, just a wonderful evening celebrating uh, um, Ronnie and Charlotte Sasser's 50th anniversary. So can y'all just clap for them. They're precious. They're, they're so precious. Um, and uh, when uh, th- their kids were talking about the things that their parents, you know, said about them and how, how their mom, and particularly Charlotte, raised them. I was thinking about my mom because uh, my mom would always greet me in the morning with, rise and shine, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I would look at her and be like, oh, woman. <laughs> and she would sing to me, beloved, let us love one another because God is of love. And anyone who loves is nobody born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7. And, oh, my gosh. All right. <laughs> Justin, throw that, throw that in the repertoire, please, in the lineup. Um, because my mom would look at us and go, you better love. You better love one another. If you don't love, you don't know Jesus. <laughs> and that's just really good truth. All right. Ephesians 1, 18. So congratulations to you guys. Way to go. Um, 18 through 23. It says this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. That's what we talked about last week. So this is what Paul is saying. He's saying here, listen, we got to wake up to these truths. This is what the Holy Spirit is trying to put into us that you would be enlightened, that your eyes would be opened up, that we would have eyes to see first these three things. The first is the hope to which he has called you. Every person here has been called with a hope. It is a calling. It is something that God has put inside of you. It makes a difference. It shows the glory of God. 
It's the second thing is this. This is what we're talking about today. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. We'll talk about that next week. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And so this morning, what we're going to talk about is the, the picture of the body of Christ and, and really in particularly just two things, because this is a really big thing. But what I want to try to unfold today is this, is why we've been called into the body of Christ and what this means for us and what we're supposed to display as the body, as the church of the living God on the earth, what God has ordained for us. And then I want to talk a little bit about the uniqueness, because we are called in unity to the truth, to display a certain truth on the earth, but yet we are comprised of individuals. And God doesn't ask us to lose our uniqueness. As a matter of fact, I would actually give to you this truth, this understanding that the reason why the Holy Spirit chose to use the words through Paul in this prayer and put the hope of your calling before the riches of the glorious inheritance in his holy people is so that we don't lose sight of the fact that each one of us is unique. But in light of that, and please hear me, in light of that, we have to understand how God puts us into the body as a whole, but yet we operate as individuals. There's a grace that the Holy Spirit gives out so that the church accomplishes what God, what Jesus Christ has set up for the church to accomplish. That's my niece. It's okay. That's Ari. She can talk. She can put her up on the stool with me, Penny. She's saying amen where you guys aren't. All right. So I want to talk to you guys first about what happens in the body of Christ. Why did Jesus decide to, to do this? When we read further in Ephesians where it talks about that he who descended also ascended and he gave gifts to men so that these gifts fill all in all, so that his presence fills all in all. This is a picture of what we see of the body of Christ. So why did God decide to create in Jesus Christ on the earth a tangible representation of the resurrected Jesus Christ, and what does it do? What's our commonality? What brings us together? Because, in, listen, right now in the world, there is more divisiveness within the church than, than we've ever seen. And trust me, listen, you can study church history, you can see it, there have been times where there have been schisms and splits and, 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 and painful things within the church, but right now as it stands, we have lost sight of the things that Jesus Christ has called us to in his resurrection, and as the church that may be the last church on the earth, we need to pay attention to this. This is important. And here's the beautiful thing, is that this has never lost value. This is something that the Holy Spirit put in and spoke in, something that we receive as the Word of God that was important from day one, but it's something that the Holy Spirit is bringing our attention back to today. 
So I want to look at another passage in Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 13 through 22. And I want to talk about why the body of Christ is important and what unites us. In verse 13, it says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Here we see the thing that unites us and brings us together. It is only, listen, it is only through the blood of Christ. It is only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It is not through agreement on philosophy of who Jesus was. It is not on our understanding of goodness. Our goodness falls short. It is only through the blood of Jesus. Does everybody understand that? Good. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law and its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in in himself one new humanity. Out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. By which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in, in, and in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I want to unpack this really quick and talk about the significance of the body and what unites us. So what in this scripture that we just read unites us? We see the thing that I just talked about, the blood of Jesus. But what does the blood of Jesus do specifically? There are three things that I see when we read this passage that the blood of Jesus does that unites us. The first thing is this, is that it conquers the flesh. It conquers the flesh. Paul said this, that what took place was this, is that God took two groups and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now he's speaking to to two specific places. I'm going to teach you for just a minute. He's speaking to the Jews and the Gentiles. He's speaking on that level, but he's also talking about the level of division that stood between us and God. Why? Because of the nature of our flesh. Because of Adam's decision. So what Jesus Christ did through the cross, through his shed blood, is that he conquered the flesh. He destroyed the work of the flesh so that we no longer have to live in hostility against God. Now let me explain this to you through another scripture, a familiar passage that we might know. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know, be able to test and approve 
what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Here Paul in Romans is saying this. He's saying, listen, there is a struggle. And we all understand this struggle. We've lived in this struggle where our flesh wants to do one thing, our our sinful nature, the nature of what we see that is attached to the pattern of this world, the things that we pick up on, the things that we listen to, the things that we've experienced sometimes that have affected us negatively, those things all add up. But here God is saying this, that I don't want you to live according to that pattern anymore, but instead I want you to renew your mind to come into the truth that Jesus Christ overcame your flesh. He conquered sinful flesh. And that instead of being conformed to the pattern of this world, you can have your mind renewed and be transformed to the pattern of heaven so that you can know what God's will is, so that you can walk on this earth understanding what God's will is. And as the body of Christ, we live under this this unifying theme. That as the body of Christ, we don't walk according to our flesh. We don't respond in anger. We don't get out of sorts, and if we do, we repent. Why? Because it testifies of what Paul said here, that we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Do you see that? That is exciting. And we see this is what what unites us. This is what brings us together, is that we don't live according to the pattern of this world any longer, but we are being transformed into the likeness of the one. Now, here's what I want you to see. Okay, so today is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, dads. Good job. You did it. Yay. All right, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna unpack some stuff. I don't know how far we're gonna get into this. I don't I don't really care. I just want to unpack this. Okay, maybe this is where we stop today. So, the Bible says this. Dads, listen to this. This is good news. The Bible says this that when God looked and He said, "Let us make man in our image," right? And the image of God, man, was made. Whew. That we have the ability to commune with God. What part of us was made? Chad and I were talking about this yesterday. What part of us was created in the image of God? It was our spirit and our soul. Why? Because we can commune with God. We can, we can walk with God. I don't look like God. You don't look like God, right? But we, we, we have the spirit of God inside of us, the ability to commune. Now, man sinned. He broke that, right? He defied that. He split that. What's the first thing that happened when Adam sinned? He tried to hide from God. How silly. And it's funny that God actually chooses to put that in the scripture, right? Like, like God says this, Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was. Like, he's not playing hide-and-seek with Adam, like, you know, all right, I'm going to count to ten, and then, you know, peek-a-boo, you know. No, he, he's not doing that. He knew where Adam was, but he was saying, listen, it's there so that we see the reflection of Adam's heart in the broken unity. All right? And so Adam goes, look, I was hiding from you because I was what? I was naked. It's the first time that shame came in and affected the soul of man. Now, I want you to jump to Genesis 5. And it begins to give the, the lineage, the genealogy of, of Adam down through Noah, okay? And what you see there is this. This is interesting. I want you to see this, please. Is it says this, then Adam gave birth, right? Really, Eve did. We all know that, right? Women up top. All right. And so Eve gave birth to, son, to Seth, his son, who was created in his 
image. Seth came after the fall. And that nature was put in man. And it was passed down. Now, dads, I want you to hear something. I can look at my son, and it's wild, because my son kind of looks like me. He's not as good looking as I am. It's sad. Pray for him. Lord, just bless him with good looks. My good looks, just let it be all over him, all right? I'm just kidding. He's a good looking boy. He's tall. He's got blue eyes. He's tall like his dad. Strong power. I'm sorry. I just got off. I'm sorry. Sorry. All right. And I can look at my dad, and my son knew my dad a little bit before he passed. He was, my, my son was young when, he, when my dad passed. And, and, and I can look at my dad, and I can see, actually, there's pictures of when my dad graduated from high school about my, my son's age. And we can almost lay him on top of each other because my dad was tall, and my dad had blue eyes like my son. And I say, God, thank you that you do this. You, you show the DNA. You pass the DNA down, right? You see this, and there's beautiful things, parents. We look at our kids, and that's one of the reasons why we love our kids. But see, here's what happened, and this is what you want to know about the goodness of God, because this is amazing. So blow your mind. Is this, is that when sin came, that sin nature was passed down. That's why Genesis 5 says this, that Seth was born in the image of Adam, that he understood shame. He, he, he knew what it was to, to walk in guilt. He saw or maybe heard the story of his brothers Cain and Abel. He knew that there was a way to please God and that would displease God. See, Adam before sin did not understand this. He did not know this. So this is why this is important, that we understand that through the blood of Christ, we are brought near, and the wall of hostility is broken down because the hostility is not pointed toward God and you. It's between you to God. And through Jesus Christ, he said, I am now creating you, giving you the ability to be created again in my image. That was good. That's really good. Why? Because the things that maybe you grew up with, the things that maybe today symbolize, for some of you, I know full well that Father's Day is not a good day. That you don't look at your biological father and you go, you know what? I'm not sure. It doesn't bring up any warm fuzzies. I'm not, I'm not happy about this. But I want to tell you something in grace, and I want you to please hear me, is that there is not one good father. There is not one on this earth, one good father, one perfect father. There is only one good father. And that is our Father in heaven. And what he says to every one of us is this. You are created in my image. I am restoring you and bringing you near. And what unifies us is this. Is that in the blood of Jesus, we have conquered the flesh. We have conquered the flesh. I don't carry the reactions. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get out of this. This is crazy. My dad was angry. My dad had anger issues. He was a military man. He was a master sergeant, an E-9 in the military. He understood rank and order. And <laughs> My dad was a good man. He, yeah, he loved me, but there were times he would be angry. He never, never put his hands on me. He never one time spanked me, really. My mom did. My mom laid down the law. She broke wooden spoons over my butt. No joke. No joke. I hit him. I threw him away. She was good. She could find him. 
And she was about Charlotte's size, too, and she would, she would take me down. Boy, that woman. Anyway, sorry. It's Father's Day. And so my dad, he had these things in him. And when I, when I started to come up and I got married, and I saw a little bit of that pop up in me. And the Holy Spirit had to take me through and begin to say, listen, you're not, you are not conformed to the pattern of the world. And for every one of us, there are things in our life that maybe we feel like we are tied to. But what happened through the blood of Jesus and where it took down the wall of hostility and conquered the flesh is this, is it gives us the ability to renew those things under the truth of heaven, the truth of Jesus Christ. There came a time in my life I had to say, listen, I'm, I'm laying this down. I'm laying this down. This is not who I have been created to be. And every one of us can do that. Do you see that? I hope that makes sense to you. And I hope you gather that because this is the commonality of, of what brings us together. The second thing is this, is that we become a people unto him. Going back to Ephesians 2, in verse 15, it says this, that his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body, reconcile them, both of them to God through the cross. When we come in, and the purpose of the body is this, is that we come in, we become a people unto God. We become a people unto God. First Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. That this is what we have together is this, is that we become a people unto God. That when we come, we come to worship God. We felt that this morning. That as the praises of God begin to be lifted up, as we felt God begin to enter into this place. And really, that, that is something that should be a constant. Let's just be honest, right? Like that should be a constant thing. Is that we understood that we came here for Him. And that should be our focus. That should be our focus, not just in this place, but, but more so in this place, because this moment that we have together is sacred. And when we come together in this place, our focus should be on Him. Our attention should be on Him. And this should be our anthem to say, we are a people unto you, set apart for your purposes, living for your glory, called to do the things that you've called to do. Nothing else on this earth motivates us except for you. But that should be our anthem everywhere we go. That's what unites us. That should be the commonality within our language that we talk to each other with. That should be the thing that motivates our direction and our future choices. Listen to me, generation, my children and, and others that are stepping out into college, it is not the direction that you think you're going to get in the degree plan. It's not. It is what you choose to do unto God. Now, if God calls you into something, do it unto him. Because you are a people unto him. And God said this, no longer are you a group of humanity. No longer are you Jew and Gentile, but you've been called unto me. And in, in essence, I'm creating a new humanity. What I created at the very beginning, I'm making all things new. All right. And then the third thing is this, is that we, we share the common language of the Holy Spirit. It says this in verse 
18 of Ephesians 2. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. What is the language that we share? It is the language of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 15, and 16 says this. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought you brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. By the Spirit we cry, Daddy, God. By the Spirit we have intimacy. This is our language. This is how we interact with the Father. This is how we interact with one another. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Listen, this is the language that we speak, the only language that we speak. And when God chose in His Son to resurrect Him and make the body, the church as it is, He gave us the language, the seal of the Holy Spirit, and it moves us. It is what we encourage and we breathe into one another. We don't breathe in our ideas. We don't breathe in our wisdom. We don't breathe in our good thoughts. We're not well-wishers. We are people led by the Spirit, and we breathe in the Holy Spirit to one another. Do you see that? I hope so. Okay. Look, um, I love this stuff. I really do. This gets me excited. Now, I want to show this one last thing to you. Okay. Justin, come on up, man, I guess. All right. I got a lot to say here, and we're just going to. So what's our purpose? Okay, so look, this is what unites us and brings us together. We, we share this as a whole. We share the, 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 the truth that Jesus, through his blood, conquered the flesh, that we are a people unto him, that we have the common language of the Holy Spirit. We share this, but also the purpose when we come together. I want you to see this. Because here in verse 21 of Ephesians 2, it says something. It says, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become the holy temple of the Lord. See, Paul makes a reference, and and a lot of times we let it skip over because we don't have a a reference for this because maybe we're not paying attention or we, we didn't grow up as Jews. But here when Paul talks about the temple, he's talking about a specific thing that I want you to see. And it's the purpose and the construction of the temple and what it means, what it means to us, and what God is trying to bring us into Because the picture of the temple represents several things. The first thing is this, what you would see in the temple is the outer courts, and I'm I'm just going to skim through this very quick, is that you would see the brazen altar where there would be cleansing, where the priests would go and they would cleanse themselves, and then you would see altars. And you would, see, you would see labors and you would see altars. You would see labors for cleansing. You see altars for laying down a sacrifice. And the first thing as a people of God, the purpose that we have is to display the forgiveness of Jesus Christ on the earth. See, because what the outer courts did is it, it set up the, the framework for forgiveness. It prepared their hearts for forgiveness. But then when you came into the holy place, this is, this is what you would see. You would see the altar of incense, the table of showbread, the golden lampstand. 
And you can go back and you can look at these, but they all have significance because the altar of incense represented the act of worship and intercession. And what you look at is this, is something, church, we have to come back to because this is the place where God inhabits, he comes to, is that there is not a separation between intercession and worship. And you might have caught a little bit of this. This probably makes sense perfectly under today's, what happened today. That as we were ministering and as words were being released and as particular things were being sung from the various team members, what was happening is there was a layer of intercession. And the altar of incense would continually burn as a fragrance unto the Lord, a sweet-smelling fragrance unto the Lord, a continual place. And it welcomed him. It welcomed his presence. And see, one one thing that only the body can do is this, is offer that up. See, only those who are redeemed up by the blood of Jesus can offer this worship and intercession up. And it needs to continually flow out of us as the Holy Spirit leads us. If, if you need breakthrough in your daily life, I want to encourage you to begin to offer up worship. Because God inhabits that. The table of showbread provided the sufficiency and provision and the reminder of covenant. There were stacks of bread that were representation of for each one of the tribes of Israel. And God said, keep this fresh on the table of showbread in the holy place. I want you to do this. Why? Because it's going to remind Israel, which were the 12 tribes of my covenant, that I'm always going to be the God who provides. And one thing on the earth, church, that we have to be is a reminder, listen, is a reminder of God's covenant. That God loves man. That he loved man so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to redeem man back to himself. And that is covenant. That we remind God, we remind the world of the covenant of the good God, the God who heals. That's why we have to have testimonies like we had today. Why? Because we are reminding ourselves of the truth that God is a covenant-keeping God. And ultimately, there will be a day when God will restore all things, that Jesus Christ will come back, that he will restore all things, and then there will be a day when all things are made new. Why? Because he is a covenant-keeping God. Man, I'm telling you, this is our job. This is what we do. And the golden lampstand was a representation of truth and holiness. The church, if I can say something just in great grace and and genuineness to us. As a people called unto God, a people pulled through the love and the blood of Jesus into righteousness, Our response is this, to always yield to the truth of what God says. And in doing that, we become a holy people. And I wish there was an easy way to say this, because I'm not this guy, because this isn't what makes God love you, but it is absolutely a response to our devotion to God. That says, God, anything that you say not to do, I'm not going to do. And everything you say to do, I'm going to do. Because I'm yours. 
And, and can I tell you that in this world what we see? I have these conversations with, with my brother-in-law, and, I, and, and, and we, we, we ping this stuff off, and we talk about this because it, it weighs heavy on our hearts. But, you know, what, what the world needs now is, is not agreement, and it's not conflict. It's not opposition. It's not somebody pointing a finger and saying you're wrong, nor is it the church that says whatever you say is right. It's a church that lives under these things that says, God, look, we desire, we desire to make this a place where your presence shows up in the place of our worship because in that place, strongholds are broken and people are healed and addictions shatter. That we want to show forth your covenant that we want to show forth the truth of who you are. And then finally, when you go into the Holy of Holies, this is what you see. You see the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant is this. is the mercy seat where the two cherubims cross and their, their wings go and they touch over the, the top of the Ark of the Covenant. And in Hebrews 9, Paul talks about this, and he says this, that in the Ark of the Covenant, there are three things that he saw. The first is this, is the table, the tablets, I'm sorry, of the law. And then he saw Aaron's rod that budded. And then he saw a jar of manna. And each one of these bring us to the highest purpose that we have of the church. And this is the one where we begin to interact with the presence of God. And if I can just say this with great boldness is this, is that as a church, as a people called in Christ Jesus, as the body of Christ, we have got to get to this truth, which is to display the goodness of God on the earth. And we have to abolish the lie that God is not good, but indeed he is good. Because in the Ark of the Covenant, this is what we see. Not only was it the seat of His presence, but it was the seat of His heart. See, there's a difference between grace and mercy. And there's a, there's a truth to why it's a mercy seat and not a grace seat. See, because grace does this. Grace reconciles the relationship vertically. The sin and the offense that I've done against God. It begins to deal with this, and it covers this. That's why it says it is by grace that you are saved, not of yourself. It's grace. But there's a need for mercy, too, because sin's effect doesn't just run this way. It runs this way, too. It affects people. It offended the heart of God. It dealt, and it caused a stain on the earth. But here is what Jesus Christ did is that he came and he became grace and he became mercy. Because according to the law, this is what mercy says. The demand that mercy made on a person is if I were to sin against you, if I were to kill one of your sheep or goats or do something worse, not only would I have to restore relationship with God, but I would have to go and repay you a, one full amount of the price plus a quarter. Here's what I want you to see is that in mercy, not just doesn't just cover the offense, but it erases the offense. And there's a reason why it's the mercy seat, because God is saying this, that no longer are you coming to me with intrepidation, or no longer are you coming to me with fear, but you're coming into my presence, and you're fully accepted. The stain of sin is eradicated. 
And in this place, you see my goodness. You see the truth of what I've said. That in the tablets of the law, that they couldn't be met in the human flesh. So they had to come under the mercy of Christ Jesus. That's why Paul says this. He said, listen, that the law was just a school teacher. It was just pointing us to the necessity of Jesus Christ because you and I couldn't come and fulfill the requirements of the law, but only through the blood of Jesus can we become righteous. And so those tablets are under the seat of mercy because they have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit writes them on our hearts. He is good. And then we see Aaron's rod that budded because this is what it means. When you read the story in the Old Testament, God said, I want every one of the heads of the tribes of Israel to take a rod and put it in the tent of meeting. And the one I choose, you'll see Moses, put your rod in there, but write Aaron's name on it because Aaron was a picture of Christ Jesus as a high priest. Uh Uh-oh. And in the morning... They go back into the tent of meeting, and they see that one that has Aaron's name on it. And that rod budded. That rod started to peel back and to shoot out some almonds. And God said, you're going to lift up this rod every time there's an accuser that comes in. Every time there's an accuser of Israel that comes in, and it's going to settle the matter. And Jesus is the one who has destroyed the accuser of the brethren. And in this, we see this truth that we don't have to fight our battles anymore. That the goodness of God has been revealed through Jesus Christ, the overcomer. That is why Ephesians says that he has placed all things under his feet. Woo! I'm telling you, this is exciting. This is what we display. This is the revelation of the goodness of God that we carry. And it brings life. And we see the jar of manna that says this, that out of his goodness is our daily supply. That we don't live as a people who who fast spiritually for weeks and weeks, but every day we receive fresh. Why? Because he is a good father who desires to communicate and love us. And see, church, this is what we've been called to. This is what unites us. Next week, I'm done. Next week, we'll talk about, we'll finish this up. And we'll talk about the uniqueness and how the Holy Spirit has given gifts and the importance of letting the Holy Spirit move and the gifts of the Holy Spirit move in the church and what that does. And it's powerful and it's amazing. But we have to embrace this truth to say, God, as the church, as the people of God, we have to live under this truth that we Through you, Jesus, live as a people who've conquered the sinful nature. Through your blood, that Jesus, we are a people unto you. That we share the language of the Holy Spirit. And in our life, our goal, our job, our purpose as your body is to show the world your forgiveness, your grace, and your goodness. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to be the body that you have called us to be in Christ Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Let me pray for you this morning. This is what I'd like to do. Dads, I I just want you to put your hand over your, your heart.
If you're wives, if you're standing next to you, you're sitting next to your husband, the dad, just put your hand on them. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you have raised up a mighty generation of men, Lord, in this church. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that not only does your grace rest on them and your strength rest on them, but Lord, they have ears to hear. They have eyes to see. God, I pray that you would begin to, Lord, release, Lord, prophetically over them, Lord, direction for their children, that they would speak out. Lord, that they would speak things of life into their kids. Father, for every person, Lord, here, dads and, 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 and wives, Father, moms, Lord, here, Lord, that have struggled under the understanding, the experience of, a, of an earthly father that wasn't great. Holy Spirit, I pray that the revelation of the good father would fill their hearts, would begin to deal, Lord, just in healing over the areas of pain in their heart. That there would be just a release and an understanding of your goodness, of who you are. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just declare, Lord, a hedge of protection around the families in this church. Lord, even as men, Father God, we stand and we say this, that over our families, Lord God, as for us and our families, we will serve the Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 All right. At this time, we're going to just give you a wonderful opportunity to serve the Lord and worship the Lord, your, your tithe and your offering. And so, um, uh, if you need an envelope, raise your hand. I just want to remind you of a couple things, um, is that we are endeavoring to do some things. I mentioned last week and Next week, we're going to have some visual aids um, to show you, but I would like to have a barn. I call it a barn. I actually got this from Pastor Monty. We should talk about this, some barns. We need some barns because we got some, hey, I got somebody that has a tractor, so get your tractor, Keith. We need, we're building a barn, all right? Um, we're not building a physical barn, but we need a barn that for our, what it costs for us to do church, have the church have lights, have AC, to do all the things that we need to do here for a month. I felt like the Lord speak this to me very strong to say, look, God wants to move us out of a place of having to just kind of get by to a place where we are thriving, okay? And I say that. And that responsibility is something that we share here, and that comes at the tune of about $22,000 for the month, okay? That's what it costs a month to do what we need to do here, okay? And so that, that is important. Why? Because um, you don't want to walk into these buildings and not have lights on. That would be a bad Sunday, right? You, you don't, we don't want to do that. But more importantly than that, and let me say this, more importantly than that, because we're not going to deal from a position of lack. What we're going to do is say this, is that we're going to acknowledge that the vision that God has given Freedom Christian Fellowship to see those in captivity set free is important. And the day is here for us to live in the fullness of that vision. So the first thing we're going to do is this, and I want you to hear me as your pastor. If you're not part of Freedom Christian Fellowship, don't listen to me. But if this is your church, please listen. Is we're going to fill this barn. The second thing that we're going to do is that we're going to do a little bit of beautification. And it's not because 
this building is so important, but it's because what happens in here is important. And I, I, listen, I'm telling you, this just fires me up. I don't want anything on the outside to distract from what's happening on the inside. It honors God when we move in excellence, okay? And so next week, we're going to have some stuff out there. We're going we're to chart this. We're going we're to come into agreement. We're going to take a step because, let, let, again, let me as your pastor just speak to you for a minute in a lot of grace and a lot of love and just say this. As some of you look, if you're not, I don't look at who gives, so, so don't ever think that. I don't see that. I don't know if you do or you don't. And honestly, this is between you and the Lord. But God says do it. And some of us, it's a struggle, and we go, God, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can get there. It's 10%. I don't know if I can do that. And listen, it's okay. There is grace for you, but we all need to take a step forward. But God doesn't just say that. He says, listen, there's a tithe, and there's an offering. And do you know why? Do you know why? It's, it's not so God, God doesn't really need your money. He doesn't. But he says this, listen, part of the understanding of transforming our mind to the understanding of heaven is this, is that we have got to open up our life and say everything that we have, listen, it's not just that you own it, but it's that we trust you with it. You know what I can't stand? Is when my kids tell me, I've got a few of them, that do this. They'll remind me five times of something they've told me. Like, I'm going to forget. Like, I don't care about them. Like, I'm going to leave you out in Timbuktu. Like, you're not my responsibility. I've got one who goes, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, hey, Dad. It's text message. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And I want to go, don't, when have I failed you? I changed your diapers, kid. I took you to the doctor. I've been in ambulances with you. Like, come on. This is my job. I will say, don't you trust me? Now think about it from a second. When we go, God, look, I just can't, I can't, I can't, I don't know. And God says, don't you trust me? Don't you trust me? Because I promise you something. When you open up and you say, God, look, I'm going to trust you with everything. I'm going to trust you with everything. He is going to pour out blessings like you couldn't imagine. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. You are good. You're good. You're good. Thank you for your grace. You lead us in your grace. You help us in our weakness and our lack of understanding. And I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here. Bless every person. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.